freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 251 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is Virtual Second Amendment DC Rally, and our guest is Rebecca Shamo. Mm -hmm. Rebecca is a grassroots gun rights advocate. She volunteers her time between work and raising a family to be a spokesmom for One Million Moms Against Gun Control. I like that. Mm -hmm. And the Kansas City State Director for the DC Project. I say Kansas, not Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas State. She believes that together, individual liberty and personal responsibility build the foundation of our inherent rights, and that when coupled with education, will do more to safely and free for safety and freedom than any legislation our elected representatives can offer. And I say amen to that. For sure. And welcome to the show, Rebecca. Well, thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. And so I've themed it the virtual 2A DC rally uh, and then your name because I plan to have several of your fellow speakers talking to us as we are gearing up for that big event. And right off the bat, congratulations for um, being chosen as a speaker. And thank you for stepping up and saying yes. Oh my goodness, how could you not say yes? It was such an honor to, for one, be asked to speak um, to like-minded individuals, but the caliber of people, no pun intended, pun intended, <laughs> the caliber of people that we get to speak with, that we get to listen to, is, is amazing. These are people that have de devoted their time, their effort, their energy, their money <laughs> to protecting our freedoms. And it's just, it's fantastic to be able to spend time with and amongst these people. Boy, I, I couldn't have said that better myself. It truly is grassroots. And that word has been run through the shredder and beaten up and misused and on and on. But uh, if you go back to the actual definition of what grassroots is, that organic way of, of people just speaking from their heart and speaking from their personal experience, this rally is that. Nobody gets paid. Nobody's like a headliner sponsor that's benefiting from it. It's just people coming together and sharing ideas and sharing from their own personal experiences. And I, I think it's a, a brilliant thing. And um, we have gone virtual this year, which, you know, there's some people out there that are really disappointed. I mean, I'm disappointed myself, but I think 
you know what? We're persevering. We're doing, we're doing like everybody is in the year 2020. We are pivoting, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Pivot, pivot, pivot. Yes. Speaking, speaking <laughs> of pivoting, Rebecca, what, what got you involved in the uh, 1 million March against gun? <laughs> 1 million moms, moms against, against gun, gun control. control. What got you involved in that? Well, just like everybody else, in December of 2012, we watched in horror um, while Sandy Hook was happening. Uh, I'm a mom. I have school-aged kids. And so I was sitting at home with my school-aged kids watching this play out live on TV, and it was a nightmare. Um, Instead of taking this as a sign that we need more control from the government in our lives. I knew because I had been brought up in a home that we, we understood our rights. We understood what the constitution was saying to us, that it is personal responsibility that leads us to individual liberty. And because I knew that, I knew that the control lie lies with us. It lies with moms. It, We are to be bringing up our children. We are to be involved in our community. We are to be the go-between between our innocent children and what is playing out in the nation around us. Um, So I took to social media because I had already been very small advocacy at that point, just talking to family and friends and keeping up with what was going on in my own state, um, as well as the nation. But when I found the organization One Million Moms Against Gun Control, I found a group of like-minded women who also believed, as I did, that we are our own first responders. We are in charge of protecting our kids and teaching them how to safely protect themselves. Um, Age-appropriate, of course, but you start at the beginning you start with these are not toys this is what this is designed to do this is how we say safe just like don't touch the hot stove just like hold my hand when we cross the street look both ways make sure that you're being safe we do the same thing with guns Um, i was brought up in a house with guns my children have been brought up in a house with guns and we don't buy into all the rhetoric of having a gun in the home makes you less safe because we have trained ourselves and we have trained one another and we expect safety regardless of where we are or who we're with. That's our responsibility. It sounds like me when I was a kid, when I was five, if I couldn't take a gun apart and put it back together, I was grounded. (laughs) (laughs) We were taught taught at an early age that guns are a tool and uh, they're, you know, it's a, you have to be responsible and you just have to learn to respect them. And, you know, consequences, that's another thing that the kids aren't taught anymore. They're not taught consequences. Absolutely. Cause and effect. That's, that is a huge theme in my family. That's, I mean, I have three sons. Uh, right now their age range is 17 to 13. So cause and effect has been a huge learning experience in their life. <laughs> when, when the effects are small, <laughs> that's a good teachable moment. We want to do the teaching before the effects are big and out of control. So it really is just all about starting early, 
teaching often, and holding your kids and those around you accountable for their actions. Right. Boy, that's so, so important. And I think that, you know, video games get bagged on a lot. And so I'm, I'm not one to sit here and blame video games for anything, because if if I was going to play that game, then I've got to agree that people can blame guns for things. Right. But I think that if, if children's main interaction with the idea of a gun is a video game, then we're really doing a, a disservice to an entire generation because when you, uh, you know, shoot the gun of a, a video game, the thing that you shot at stands up in the next scene and you, you play all over again. And I think that that's one of the things that's so important about getting kids out hunting, right? That's family time. That's teaching all kinds of amazing lessons, taking them out to the range again, age appropriate. Uh, so they can see that effect of, you know, pulling the trigger and releasing that projectile out of the end of that, that gun. Yeah. Uh, one of the first things that my kids did um, <laughs> when they were old enough to hold, physically hold a 20 gauge shotgun and fire it on their own, um, <laughs> we shot at watermelons. And so they could physically see in front of them what kind of repercussion happens when you pull that trigger. That way they could see for themselves a very, not graphic visual because it's a watermelon, Mm -hmm. but then we have to stop and talk about, okay, this is why these rules are in place. This is why. And my kids have been repeating the four firearm safety rules since they could talk. (laughs) <laughs> because that's that's just how they've grown up. That's yes. how I instilled in them what safety is and how important it is, not just to me, but to themselves. And so being able to watch that watermelon explode, yeah, it's a whole different thing. But I'd much rather them watch that and have some kind of cognitive reaction to that as opposed to watching the video game where there's no recoil, there's no cause and effect, there's no consequence for the action. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it was really an interesting thing to, to watch my kids put two and two together. Oh, for sure. Right. One of the other then, things, too. Let me just say this. And so then if you had them go down range and say, all right, now let's put this watermelon back together again. Right. right? Right. Yes. There, yeah. There's no such thing. No. So. no. <laughs> right. And, and one of the other things, too, is, you know, the moms against guns are saying that, you know, if they can remove all the guns from society, that their kids will be safe. Well, first of all, you're not going to be able to do that. And second, if you teach your kids responsibility with guns, if they go to a next door neighbor and they have guns, they know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. You know, not handle the gun, but how to stay away from the gun, mm-hmm. the whole works. And it's just like, you teach a kid to swim or you take away the pools. Yeah. Yep. Well, one of the things that I say all the time is that even if you are someone that does not want to have guns in your home, I thoroughly respect that. That's fine. That's, that's your choice. However, your kids and yourself still need to go and get a safety education because you need to know if you're around someone who does have one, you have to know whether or not they're being safe. that's that's your first clue on is this someone I can be around is this someone I can trust to handle this responsibility 
Or is this someone that I need to protect myself and my kids and get away from? And if you're not setting your kids up to be able to make that determination, you're setting them up for failure. But that's what's happening now anyway. I mean, a lot of the kids are not taught uh, safety. They're not taught responsibility. And so it's, it's, it's like the parents want to cuddle and, and protect their kids, which we should protect our kids, but we have to let them get out and learn because you're not going to be around forever. No, that's absolutely. True. And, and, and coddle. 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 We will yes. love to cuddle, cuddle our cuddle, kids. Cuddle, 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 cuddle. <laughs> of course, with boys 13 through 17, they, they're probably not big cuddlers anymore. Not, not, not so much these days. <laughs> but when they're little, it's so funny. Yes. Um, so we are talking a lot about education, right? And so uh, you and I are both part of, of an organization called the DC Project. And one of our key messages uh, to our legislators when we go and we form relationships with our legislators in our own states and then at the national level is uh, that education, not legislation, is the key to safety. And so, you know, it's one thing when you're, you're in your own home and you're trying to educate your children. It's a whole other thing when you're trying to educate people that, you know, kind of think they already got it all together and and know what's everything there is to know, right? Oh, it is. Um, (laughs) Over the years, (laughs) I have met a lot of people who really think that they have a bead on what it means to be a gun owner. Mm -hmm. And one of the parts of the DC project, one of the things that I love is that we are not the face of what is the typical gun owner. We are women of every nationality. We have different backgrounds. We have different interests. Some of us are three gun shooters. Some of us are more on the political side. Some of us host radio shows and own gun shops. And some of us are just moms who believe that being able to teach your kids and being able to teach those around you what their rights are and how to utilize them is imperative to the freedom of our country. And so it's always interesting. Of course, you have some politicians, uh, whether it's local level or federal level, that thoroughly agree with you and believe that the Second Amendment says what it says and don't infringe. And then there's the majority <laughs> of politicians who believe that well, we can infringe here and we can infringe there and this would be an all right infringement and we're going to infringe over here because, you know, safety and stuff. And they have no idea, for one, what guns they're talking about or two, what the actual laws already state in our respective states or on the federal level. And so until we can educate the people who are supposed to be representing us, on what laws are already in place, you know, it's all for naught because they keep repeating the same things. They want things that are already on the books and they need to understand, okay, back to square one, let's start here and then build a relationship with them from there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So when we go into these offices, uh, at the federal level, it's so interesting because I come from Arizona and uh, until very recently, we were, you know, pretty much 
uh, at the, the elected official level, we were pretty much all in agreement that the Second Amendment meant what it said, shall not be infringed, we're, we're pretty good to go. Uh, we're not quite in that same uh, place anymore. But when I started with the DC project, that's where we were. So I always felt a little like I was, you know, kind of wasting my, my legislators time to, to come into their office and sort of be like, Hey, keep doing what you're doing. Great stuff. You know, but they need to hear that. They, oh, they have really to be reminded do. constantly because they keep the other side is pushing hard. Yes. I mean, you look at Arizona right now, if, if laws were the reason to fix things because of crime, Arizona crime is, is super small with firearm-related uh, uh, incidents. incidents. So why, why do we need to do anything? But they're doing it because that's just their agenda. They want to do something. Right. Right? Yeah. right? <laughs> Beware of a politician that says, I, I believe in the Constitution, but. but that, right. That, no. So. Um, and so, you know, some of the offices that we go into, because even though I'm from Arizona, uh, our founder, Diana Muller of the DC project, uh, she has put us in groups of, you know, four to six ladies. So then we, we go to each other's state's offices and man, what an eye opening experience that is for someone like myself who comes from a mostly free state a mostly uh, pro to a state. What is it like with the, the Kansas, uh, state uh, laws and legislators. What do you experience there? Well, Kansas, much like Arizona, um, traditionally, we're a very conservative and constitutional state. Uh, we have a not so friendly governor right now. Actually, she invited the uh, red shirt moms not only to come stand on my Capitol steps. <laughs> I say mine because they are. Uh, so she invited them to stand on my steps and not only preach their ignorance and hate for our rights, but she actually donned a red shirt herself and joined them. Um, yes. And so, uh, yeah, Governor Kelly really, really was, it was a slap in the face to all of us Kansans who have worked so hard because over the last just over a decade, we instituted concealed carry and then very quickly turned around and made all of our gun, law, gun laws in Kansas uh, across the board. You can't change it from the city or the county level, it's statewide. And then that applied to open carry. And then from there, we went ahead and uh, got constitutional carry because the what they referred to as the coat tax was a ridiculous thing. You could open carry just fine. Everything's good. You're a law-abiding citizen. And if it got chilly and you put on a jacket, all of a sudden you were a hardened criminal. And so in order to make everything even, we went ahead and instituted uh, constitutional carry. And in the state of Kansas, that means that if you are lawful to own a firearm and carry a firearm nationwide, if you, if you clear the federal stuff then you get to carry in kansas so anyone from any state who is over 18 not a felon not committed things like that if you would like to come to kansas and carry you can and so that was before we elected this particular governor um 
Unfortunately, with COVID happening, we were supposed to be bringing up some legislation on protecting ourselves here in Kansas from red flag laws. However, that did not come up. And honestly, it's probably better off given the, the stance of our current governor that it didn't come up. I hate to say it, but COVID caused a, a stalemate that may have worked out in our favor this year because anything pro-gun that we would have sent up to the desk, she would have vetoed. And so uh, unfortunately, we didn't get a lot passed, but fortunately, the other side didn't get a lot passed in Kansas either. Sure. But it's, it's always interesting to speak with other states and other representatives in other states because like you said, not everyone has the basis of constitutional law found, you know, founding their state. And so it's, it's always an adventure when you start talking to someone who is not based on the Constitution. Sure. So Rebecca, when you uh, when you got all these laws passed that you could carry a gun and uh, openly and concealed and all that, did did blood go on the streets? I mean, did you have crime like <laughs> go rampant? Did it turn I, into the OK Corral yeah. like the other side always wants to make it? Oh man, we heard that uh, so many times. In fact, the instructors that I know uh, we were. We were just waiting to be able to get on the other side of constitutional carry because not only were we told that blood was going to flow like rivers through the streets and we were going to have shootouts and parking lots over parking spaces and all the stuff that they say, but we were also told that when constitutional carry got implemented, that the rate of training was going to fall because you don't have to have the permit to be able to carry so no one will ever seek out a permit ever again. And in fact, what our trainers, what our instructors did was they amended their classes. We still offer uh, the concealed carry training because concealed carry comes with important things, um, whether you're carrying across state lines and need reciprocity, or whether it's being able to carry closer to a school, or whatever the fact is, the, the reason why you're wanting to go get the permit, the thing is, is that we were then able to open up to much more instructional classes. It wasn't just about the law and passing this so that you could pass the class. It's more about actual safety and different situations and the rise in people seeking training has been astounding. All of the instructors I have personal relationships with have been busier mm -hmm. since right. implementing constitutional carry than what they were before. And it's just, it's been fantastic to see people actually seeking out training. Yes. And I don't understand why other states that are so restrictive can't use Kansas and Arizona as an example and say, hey, why don't we try this for a couple of years and see what happens? Just try yeah. it. Yeah. You know? Well, they can't because they don't want to. They right. don't want to know. <laughs> but you're right. You know, um, we're seeing a lot of people in our, we have classes too, where we help sponsor classes, but uh, we're seeing a lot of families, women, men, all different types are taking these classes for what? For education. 
That's the main thing. They want to know what they can do and what they can't do, how to be more safe with the firearm, how to be responsible, and how to teach their kids how to be responsible. All of these things come out of these classes. So, you know, it's amazing, you know, when you give people, and, and even that phrase, when you give people more freedom, when people have more freedom, they tend to do more of the right things. I, it, it, maybe that's counterintuitive for some people to, to realize. But, you know, if people are not forced to give money for charities, they are more generous. If people are not forced to do these certain training classes and, and meet these requirements, they, they seek it out naturally on their own and, and more than what would have been required in the first place because they get oh, personally yeah. bought into uh, getting smarter and getting uh, more uh, knowledgeable. It's, it's a pretty amazing thing. And I, I really wish that the regulations and the legislators would just get on board with the idea that the DC project talks about. And that is, if you want to be doing something, then let's make it about education, not legislation, right? My mom and dad, you know, they taught us how to handle guns and, and do it safely. And then I, you know, when we we're talking just now, I started thinking about cars. The most deadly tool out there is a car. More people get killed by cars than any other type of mm -hmm. incident. And I was thinking, was there a mandatory training class that I had to take when I got my driver's license? No. Well, maybe not you. No. But <laughs> by my generation, uh, we had, but we my had dad, it in school. My dad taught me to drive. The same person that taught me how to be Handle responsible with a fire. You're right. You're and, right. And, you know, I, I think I did okay. You've done very, very well. You're a good driver. You're an amazing driver. Actually, he can tow and back up uh, you know, like <laughs> 90 foot trailers, maybe not really 90 foot, but it looks like it to me. And uh, anyway, but that's just, you know, I choose to train to do that. Exactly. It was right. required. It wasn't mandatory. And I consider myself a safe driver and a safe firearms uh, handler Absolutely. too. So. Absolutely. So, you know, you're talking about your governor Kelly there in Kansas and um, I have now a couple of legislators uh, at the federal level here in Arizona that I wouldn't consider um, gun friendly. And if this election huh. doesn't go, Kelly too. I know. Well, we have a Mark Kelly here in Arizona that's running for office. I've heard about that. Yeah. And he is absolutely no friend to the second amendment at all, but he's, he's trying to spin it now like he is, you know, so, um, or not talk about it at all. But um, why do you think it's important to go ahead and develop relationships with these elected officials, even if you know that when you walk in their office, it's not going to be like old home week. You know, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable, possibly a little tense. Well, honestly, that is, that is a great question because so many people miss out on this part. It's not just about reminding the ones that are doing good that you appreciate what they're doing. It's reminding the ones that are infringing on your rights, the ones that don't understand personal responsibility and individual liberty, that they are an elected representative. We have hired them to do a job. And if they're not going to represent my voice, your voice, if they're not going to do that job, we have the ability to fire them. And the more often 
And the more of us that remind them courteously, of course, because we don't want to be painted with the brush that they try to paint us with so often. If we remind them that, hey, listen, you work for me. It's your literal only job to represent my voice. And this is my voice. That's, that goes so much further than just railing about them online on social media. You can tag them in whatever, whatever you want. You can tweet, you can go on Facebook, you can do something on Instagram, you can stand on a soapbox on the street corner, and it's not going to reach them like it does when you have a group of people who will go together and sit outside of their office, because some of them won't even let you in, and just remind them, hey, I'm right here, and you actually work for me. And this is what I would like to see done. And while you're on the job, since I'm your boss, you're going to do what I'm asking you to do. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's easy to fall into the trap of, well, they don't agree with me anyway, and they're never going to change their mind. It's not about them changing their mind. It's about reminding them that my mind hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so well said. And the other thing is that every single elected official who, as you said, is our representative, like look the word up. What does it mean to represent someone, right? It's not their own personal uh, fiefdom, you know, or... or well, to some there are. Well, I mean, they behave this way, right? But every single one, no matter whether they're wearing the big D on their chest for Democrat, the big R for Republican, I for Independent, whatever they have, they have all taken an oath to protect and defend the Constitution, which includes the Bill of Rights, which is where our Second Amendment is found, which also is the only uh, place that our founding fathers had the wisdom to put the uh, gun rights for dummies clause shall not be infringed. Wait a minute. Right? Yeah. There is no like liberal Democrat constitution and Republican cons- uh, uh, conservative constitution. It's all the same document. And if they were really doing what they are swearing an oath to do, then we wouldn't have quite so much confusion. Wait a minute. Now, division. we know that there's a governor that said that's above his pay grade, the constitution. <laughs> so how, how in the that? heck? It was governor. Was it New he Jersey? Was in New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. The governor of New Jersey said the Constitution was above his pay grade. Bill Murphy, I think, is his name. So, so I don't understand what you're saying. I mean, so they... (laughs) He needs to go back to Representative School 101 or something. So I'd like to make one other comment. Okay, so when you go to one of the representatives that is on the other side, and you, if you go in there screaming and yelling... You're gonna, they're going to remember you for maybe two or three days. Mm-hmm. But if you go there and you give them a heart story about how, you know, this affects me and the life of my kids and everything else, they may forget you by the end of the day that day. But then every time something comes up about a gun incident, they're going to go, oh, I remember Rebecca was in my office and she's, that's what she said. You know? Oh, yeah. And they'll remember that forever because it's on their conscience. They know that they're taking that away from you. So I know that when people yell and scream at me, I'm upset for a couple of days. Then I, who, who yelled at me? When? <laughs> you know, but if somebody gives me a story, I'll remember that story yeah. because it affected them. It hurt them. So. Well, the other thing that people tend to miss on the holding our elected representatives accountable 
is that you can run for office. There is nothing stopping you from from running local or state or even federal. If your voice is not being represented, be the representative. Take the step. Do do what you need to do to learn what the laws are in your area so that they can't hold anything against you. Live above reproach and represent the people who are not being represented. And we all say, well, I don't have time. I don't have time. If you don't have time, then you're going to get more of the same. Mm. Rebecca, who are you saying this to Cheryl? Please don't tell me you're saying this to Cheryl. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Not directly to Cheryl, but I mean, if I was in your district, <laughs> I, I'm just I'd go for notes. it. I'm just taking notes. Yeah, that's yeah. All. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> actually, actually, I think she should get involved in some of the local government stuff here. And I, I hate to say that because it's so time consuming and stuff. And we have some good people in our city. We do in, in the district I'm in, but right across the street, basically, where my our daughter lives, she does not have a single Republican. She's a registered Republican like we are. She doesn't have a single Republican that she can even vote for once you get past a certain level. Like city councils the, and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, that across the street. From she's us. probably mm-hmm. not yet ready. She still has two very young children, but um, who knows? Maybe she's always teasing me about, you know, you better not ever run for anything, mom. We don't need that evil in our life and watch it be her if it ends up running. Yep. (laughs) Hey, I I have met her and I would fully support that. Right? You better because you don't. Um, so just wrapping, you know, starting to to wind up a little bit and coming back full circle to the the virtual 2A DC rally. Um you know, some people out there are thinking, well, rallies, all you're doing is preaching to the choir. So what's the point? If we all already agree, then why, why are you putting all this effort into uh, putting a rally together? What would you say to people that are thinking that way? Rallies are not to get the attention of the opposition. They've never been about that. It's about education. It's about being with like-minded people and finding new ways to say things. Things that you wouldn't have the experience with because of people's different backgrounds, different experiences in life, just new ways to have the same conversation. Because when you are basing your conversation on inherent rights, when you're basing it on the Constitution, that doesn't change. And we all start to feel a little bit like we're in a rut or a little bit like it's becoming stale. Everybody's saying from my cold head hands or shall not be infringed. That has a place, but we need new ways to say it. The other side's arguments haven't changed. Our arguments haven't changed. What does change are people's experiences and how we address where they are right now and how we help guide them where it is that we need to be. And so with a rally, we are just coming together and educating one another and going from the same point in the same direction. It doesn't all have to be the same background. In fact, it's better that it's not. But we do have the same goal. And a rally is one way, and this year with the virtual rally, it's an easy, effortless, you can stay in your pajamas and have your coffee or whatever, 
and actually get on the same page so that we can head in the same direction. And the same page really does need to boil down to the Constitution. And so as long as we all start there from wherever it is that we come from and then move forward, then that's what the rally is actually intended to do. So you're saying like a rally is like a sports team when they call everybody in timeout and just kind of get everybody back on the same page and <laughs> spread them out to go out and do the thing, right? It I is. Like kind it. Of Absolutely. Like it. That is exactly what it's like. It's, right. it's the huddle, right? Yes. And break. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's just support. It gets people more involved. You know, a guy might extend his his thing by going out and doing more his reach his influences yeah Yeah, absolutely well i know last year was the first year that uh this rally was put on and there's at least three new advocates that have really blossomed because they were you know just caught up in realizing that their voice there there was uh a gap out there really yes their voice wasn't really being represented as well as it could or should be and they were like well why am i looking around waiting for somebody to fill it i'll look in the mirror and i'll be the one that fills it send uh, me yes yes exactly so and then when i saw that your name was on the speaker list this year i was like i cannot wait to hear what you are going to present because you have, I follow you on social media and, and I want everybody that's listening to, um, to get ready. So, you know, when she says how to follow her on, on all of her handles, um, because you do have such a good way with, with a turn of a phrase or, you know, taking an analogy and working it into a new way of thinking about things. And it, it's really powerful. You just have a, a gift for that. And then to be able to present that at the rally, I, I know it's going to be a treat. Now, see, now I'm all blushy. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, you are so welcome. I speak the truth. And so do tell fe- uh, people how they can follow the work that you are doing on a, a daily basis, besides being a busy mom of three boys. <laughs> all right. Um, well, on Facebook, it's the easiest way to find me is Rebecca one M M A G C that's stands for 1 million moms against gun control on Instagram. It's just my name. It's Rebecca Schmoy S is R E B E C C A S C H M O E. And then I work with 1 million moms against gun control. We have one M M A G C.org. And then the fabulous uh, DC project. Uh, you can find out how you can help and be involved in talking to your own legislature um, at dcproject.info. And then of course the 2022A rally. Fantastic. And uh, Shmoy, I think we mispronounced your name. <laughs> Everybody does. It's not, it's, it is what it is. I married into it. It's fine. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah, I went from uh, maiden name Cook to maiden name Todd. So it's pretty, you know, hard yeah. to that up. Uh, <laughs> I, I always say Shmoy like boy because I have three of them. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Rebecca, thank you very much for being on today. Oh, well, thank you guys for having me. I I had a great time. This is fantastic. 
Oh, I cannot wait to see you at the rally day. That's October 24th. It falls on a Saturday. Uh, you know, it will be a, a virtual digital uh, event. And I don't know exactly like, you know, I know it's going to be on a bunch of different platforms. So I don't know if there's like a main one. So what I've been telling people is just go to the Facebook event page. And once you are, you click interested or, or going on that, you'll get all the updates. So um, I'm, I'm super jazzed about it. And I can't wait uh, to see what everybody brings that to the table that day, including Rebecca Shamoy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Rebecca. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was awesome. She is really, really something. And I'm so excited that, um, like I said, that she's going to be part of this year's rally. I, I was asked as well. I'm super excited to, to be part of it again. I'll even be taking on some MC duties, but I, part of me feels like I kind of want to get out of the way and let people like Rebecca Shamoy and some of these new advocates, um, you know, get in there and, and, and have that time slot. And, uh, you know, until we are there, until we are of the day, uh, that could still happen because really it's so important and so vital to give um, people an opportunity to, to you know, kind of have their voice heard, see what it feels like and sounds like to speak publicly because it can be an intimidating thing. Some people hate public speaking. I don't, I didn't get that gene apparently, but <laughs> I, I kind of like public speaking. Um, but other people- Oh, really? Yeah, I'm really shy. You're yeah. I'm really, you know, I'm just trying to come out of my shell. Well, you know, I'm feeling kind of sad right now because I'm not going to be part of this virtual uh, rally uh, like I normally am because usually at the rallies, I'm very involved. I carry your luggage <laughs> and, uh, you know, you drive can. you around and I'm not going to be able to do that. Maybe we could just pack some stuff in a suitcase and I could carry it around the house. You know what? That would make it feel normal, right? I'll do that for just for you. Yeah. For you, I will do that. And you know what? If I need water or, or coffee... You know, yeah, you could, I could, yeah, I could but, do that. But you, you wouldn't want to just run down the hall and get it. You're going to have to like trek. I'll go to the store and get it. Yeah, yeah I'll get you. Uh, what's that special kind of water that you like? Uh, oh my gosh. Anyway, I'm not no, that high maintenance. It's great and it's going to be exciting and uh, I can't wait to, to see it. Oh, it's going to be really wonderful and we're still announcing names. And so I kind of have a, you know, behind the scenes line on who is, you know, still to be announced and it's, it's going to be wonderful. And, and the, the idea of bringing all of the different, the whole idea of this rally is a diversity of thought, you know, not necessarily diversity of skin color or diversity of, you know, how you, you know, your favorite gun or your, the way you like to train or something like that. It's really diversity of, of life experience and thought. And so, it's going to be wonderful. All right. We need to start wrapping up and getting out of here. So thank you to our amazing listeners. I know uh, the people watching on OpsLens, we're hearing more and more um, that people are finding us on the OpsLens app, smartphone app, uh, whether you're watching us there or on YouTube or GunStreamer. 
uh, or just listening to the audio only uh, version that's that's out there and and really the best place I think to find that is on our website shameless plug at uh, gunfreedomradio.com click the on demand tab and binge listen to, to your, your heart's, heart's content. content in stereo um and if you want to see the photos and bios and links to all the stuff that all of our guests have uh that have going on in their world click the guest tab it's a wonderful resource of uh people that are you know experts in their field they are um you know, a, a tremendous source of knowledge. And I, I encourage you to spend some time there. And we don't hate it when you spend time on our website. You know, I'm an expert in my field. Are you? Yes, I can tell you who is a leader, who is a Congress representative, mm -hmm. and who is a royalty. And it's it's easy on some of them. And I, I just have to say something about Nancy's little... Well, um, Nancy Pelosi. Well, is that the Nancy? I, it was some congresswoman in California that went to decided that she wanted to get her hair done. She did that, and she did it without you know where it was illegal at the time. That laws that she helped pass to that's say that's only for the little people, honey. Right. You know, so that is not royal. for someone so, of her stature. Right. But I now, mean, so here's what they did. Who cares what? my hair looks like as long as hers looks fabulous well it that's still really didn't. All that's, that's the important. problem <laughs> but but the other thing is that you know we've caused a problem because a lot of people hung close i mean the hair dryers on her fence in her oh, house. oh yeah the, a tree out front of her house i guess yeah. people hung a bunch of blow dryers by but their she looked at them and goes and... oh my gosh those look like a gun so now guess what's going to happen with hair dryers yeah, I'm gonna have to regulate those hair dryers. Except for her. They're just too except for her. Except for her. They're just too scary looking. But anyway, please, you remember in November we're gonna be voting. And when people like uh that that are in, in that are leaders mm -hmm. that break the laws that they create, mm -hmm. you know that they are not leaders, they're royalty. That's all I gotta say. No, I think that's that's enough. I think the thing that got me the most about what Nancy Pelosi did isn't that she did it and isn't that, you know, she got caught doing it. It's that she wanted to shift the blame for, for getting caught to the salon owner. And then she was demanding an apology from a small business. She was owner. set up. No, that's, that is not the definition of set up. Uh, caught is what she was right. but anyway if anybody knows that was so offensive to me is is that you know instead of just saying you know what you know i did i did do that i shouldn't have done it if if i was anybody else i wouldn't have been able to do that and and i apologize uh but instead she's trying to actively hurt a small business owner because she got caught doing so the, because Nancy got, anyway, we can I, belabor well, that I have forever. one other thing to say. Okay. I, I haven't been able to reach Nancy, but I wanted to ask her a question. Did you? Yeah. You know, just a simple question. Nancy, if you would break the law to get your hair done, what would you do for a million bucks? And a Klondike bar. It's a good question. It's a good question. So anyway, all right, we're getting out of here. Are uh, we? We're leaving now. Are we going to pray you for our royalty? Thank you to our wife. We haven't thanked uh, Rebecca Schmoy. Mm -hmm. 
Shmoye, not Shmo, like we called her. I'm so sorry about that. Uh, Rebecca, thank you so much for all you do. You are an inspiration, and I love that you are raising three young men, uh, passing that legacy of freedom and knowledge forward. And um, until next time, what are we going to do? Pray We're going to pray our... for our leaders. Yes, you know, the people who are actually leading. Representatives. Representing, yes. We're leaders. going to pray for our nation. Pray for our nation. And um, all of them? All of them? The uh, representatives? Well, all, all the leaders and representatives, yes. Pray heavy for them. Okay. Pray hard for our nation, even, too. Even the ones you don't like, especially the ones you don't like. Well, I don't. I don't dislike, I'm just going to publicly say it right now. I, Danny Todd, do not dislike any representatives or congressmen, women, that represent us. Period. We're actually upholding their right. oath. Okay. Right, right. But when you talk about royalty or people that think that they're owed something, yeah, maybe we got a problem here. I understand that. Okay. But we're going to pray for him anyway. Be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. Bye-bye.